Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with the guests to take a little wander into their life. This week, I'm stomping with children's author and royalty of publishing, Dame Jacqueline Wilson. I'm pretty sure that for many of you, like for me, you'll have grown up with Jacqueline Wilson's books. They are household names. I mean, if you've watched Tracy Beaker on TV, you'll be familiar with one of her very famous series of books. She doesn't shy away from difficult topics either, from adoption, mental illness, divorce, and queer identity which in turn has seen generations of young people feel more represented. And I think that's why, fundamentally, she has been such a presence in this space for so long. She speaks truth in everything she does. Jackie solidified herself as a household name with her Tracy Beaker books, which became a BAFTA-nominated CBBC series. She has written over 100 books and sold over 40 million books in the UK alone. And I want to say something really cool about recording this today. Yesterday, in fact, last night, I actually won Children's Book of the Year for my book, A Better Day, at the Nibbies. And I am so, so proud. I just want to say the biggest thank you to everyone that got a copy of the book, that trusted me to help their young person, help the young person in their life. It means the world to me, honestly. And I'm so honoured to win this award. Um, Yeah, what can I say? It's just... I'm speechless, really. I managed to do my speech last night, but I'm really speechless today, thinking back on the whole experience. I just want to say thank you. Now, before we get started with the episode, I've got some really exciting news. If you've listened to the Stompcast for some time now, you'll know that I travel around the country meeting my guests and going for long and winding walks. But there's so much more than just the episode you hear. So, do you fancy getting some behind-the-scenes access? If so, it's your lucky day, because I've launched my exclusive episode called Behind the Stomp, BTS, giving you an extra segment each week. If you become part of the BTS crew, you'll get an exclusive episode every Monday where myself and the team discuss what happened on our stomp that week. That's the stuff that didn't make the cut, uh, the kind of chaos that you can imagine traveling around the country or the stories that we've just experienced uh, along the way. I'll also be answering uh, your questions, sharing my thoughts and wellness advice, and I'm sure there'll be also some outtakes too. I always have such a good time on our shoots, but one thing you don't hear is the time and investment that goes into producing the Stompcast. It's why most podcasters like me run ads and sponsorships. So effectively, by joining this new community, you'll be ensuring that we're here to stay. To be part of my core stomping crew and to get a secret extra episode, head over to Apple Podcasts. It's less than £1 a week and you'll be first to know of any exclusive news and updates on which guests are coming up and what's going on in my world. So by subscribing for 3 99 per month or 44 99 per year, it's a great way to help. And as ever, thank you so much for listening. Jackie, welcome to the Stompcast. 
Well, it's great to be stumping along with you, oh, Alex. Well, thank you so much. Well, you very kindly welcomed us into your lovely home for a cup of tea and a biscuit before we started. So I feel fueled and ready for, for the stomp. Um, so thank you so much. Just for context, uh, you know, whereabouts are we in, in the world? I mean, we've travelled out of London. We're in the beautiful countryside. Whereabouts are we? We're in East Sussex. And this is a lovely little lane, uh, very cleverly called Cow Lane, because occasionally the cows escape. Oh, <laughs> you meet them face Hopefully to face. not, because it's a narrow lane. <laughs> <laughs> it's a narrow lane. Um, and uh, it's, it's very rural. And at this time of year, there's, there's loads of Queen Anne's lace and, and nettles too. Of course, it is the country. Um, and it's the walk that I go on practically every day, because I've got two dogs. And the dogs are with us, aren't they? Dogs are with us. If people listening hear heavy panting, it's not me. It's the dogs. <laughs> it's my We're dog. going to bring the dogs. And we've got cyclists as well. We're making the way higher. Thank you. Good Sorry. day. <laughs> it's a good hill to climb up that, isn't it? Yeah, You've done well. You're nearly there. Electric there so it's... Ah, okay. I see. There you go. Top technology can help sometimes. <laughs> and funny enough, we're going to chat a little bit about technology later on in the episode because AI has uh, become somewhat of a growing area, I guess, in, in writing in many different ways. I'd love to dive in with you first of all and just hear a little bit about your own kind of toolkit, I guess, when it goes for coming for a walk. So you've got the dogs with you. Um, do you bring much else? Do you bring a pen and paper? Do you do a bit of writing, no, a walk, a book? No, or I mean, I might, I might think about something that I'm currently writing, but never ever bring pen and paper or, it, or whatever. And I've got such an old fashioned phone that I can't take little notes on it either. Um, I, I bring dog treats. <laughs> That's essential. That's essential, yes. <laughs> that's about it. You don't need much else, do you, on the little no. storm? But I think it's some, in some ways that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Getting outside and putting putting your phone down, as it were, or I guess pen and paper, if that's you know where you're spending your time and your focus and having a break, isn't it? Like getting outside is about looking up and looking around. Exactly. And I mean, when, when I lived in the suburbs, which I did for many, many years, um, I did go for walks and I loved the parks I lived near. But being actually out in the country and quite near the sea too, nothing beats it. And no matter what the weather is, you feel different when you walk outside. And I, I just love it. I, when, when I said I was moving here, people said, Jackie, you're such a townie and look at your crazy <laughs> boots with heels and, and all the rest of it. Because you're living in West London, wasn't it? For yeah, and while. when I was a kid, I, I had a scary dad, but the one great thing he did was he always, when I was on holiday from school, he would take a day off from work too and take me out in the Surrey lanes and um, up Box Hill. And although I was kind of tense, whoops. Okay, you, we are in the countryside. <laughs> there's there's you, bumps in the road. You, you never knew when he was going to snap because he thought I'd done something wrong or whatever. Yeah. But um, he was very good at actually finding out where different things would be and it was just with quite long walks for a small kid you know seven miles eight miles something like that but I just loved them and always thought then uh, when I grow up I want to live in the country well it took me a very long time but here I am when did you first move kind of out to the country I think it was about seven years ago and recently I can't really remember a time when I didn't live here now because it's just so much a part of me and people also said you're going to take so long to make friends here 
um, and you, you know you're going to be a sort of newcomer for 20 years which is a bit hard for me because I probably haven't got 20 years but right from the start we've made fantastic friends and um, we live just outside a village where there's heaps going on and it's very eclectic and there's a fantastic bookshop there I mean it's it just could have been made, especially mm. for me. Well, I can see why you've made lots of friends, because you've welcomed us into uh, your home. We had, I say, we had a lovely cup of tea and, and a biscuit before starting, so I can imagine why you made friends. I feel like everyone bonds over a cup of tea. You know, whether we're dealing with the biggest challenges of the world, or something really good happens, something really bad has happened, or someone's passed away, or someone's got married, cup of tea, isn't it? It's like everyone sits down with a cup of tea it and is. we solve all world's problems. And it's funny, because you do tend to relax when when you're eating and drinking i think that's why when you get on a plane they almost immediately start serving you stuff mm. because it helps any nervous flow actually calm down and that's relax actually a very bit. true that's true because there's things that we i guess we all you know we all eat and drink uh so it's something that i guess everyone kind of bonds over you know and, and i and, and that love of food i guess becomes a common uh theme amongst well everyone really and and, and similarly to food books and reading, I feel like whether you're into fiction, non-fiction, whether you're into sci-fi, whether you want to learn, read autobiographies, there's something about books that really bonds people, isn't it? There's something around capturing the imagination, escapism. Why do you think that books are so important? I mean, you've been writing for many years now. You've written so many books. Why is it so important that we inspire younger generations to keep reading, to keep picking I, up books? I think... It's such a clever way of getting inside people's minds if you're reading fiction. I mean, the schools rightly bag on about empathy all the time, but what better way to understand people and, and to, to feel you really know why they're behaving the way they do is to read a really good novel. And there's just so many different ways where I think reading enhances your imagination, it amuses you, it, it gives you a safe space in which to experience things you'd never really want to in real life. I mean, I, f I feel like I'm an evangelist for reading and try my real hardest to make kids find, find it interesting, not necessarily promote my own books, because they, they might only appeal to a certain type of reader. Any kind of book, I think, is a wonderful way of enjoying yourself, finding out about all sorts of things, and yet it's active as well as passive. You have to use your own mind. Whereas if you're just looking at something on YouTube yeah. or on the telly, um, you know, it's... You can kind of just sit just there slump. and be given yes. information. Perhaps you're not actually... Yeah, you're not using that imagination. And it's, uh, it's almost a shame at times, isn't it, that... In a way, I guess, we're, as technology has advanced and you've got all these things that are algorithmically designed to drag your attention into your phones, that actually one of the most amazing ways to escape, which actually is a lot of the reason people spend their time scrolling and stuff, is, is actually by engaging your imagination and, and reading a book. It's, it's something that I fear that we might lose potentially, if we don't, you know, instill from a young age I, how I, amazing it is, you know? I think so. I mean, teachers are doing their level best, librarians are trying so hard, but I do worry sometimes. I mean, living in the country, I have to travel by train a lot to get up to London for work or for fun or whatever. And 
You used to find many, many people reading a book or reading a newspaper even, but now I'm generally the only one actually reading a book. Everybody else is scrolling on their phone. Do you phones. notice that? Do you look up to notice? Do you, see, totally. do you see that around you? I have to be careful though, because if I get deeply involved in a book, I go past yeah, the station. You'll end up in Leeds, yeah. yeah. So um, it, it's not always a great idea. So it can be a hazard then as well as a, <laughs> the wrong place. It, it does pass the time wonderfully. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing way. I mean, so there's been a few things that have coincidences that almost have happened uh, around uh, today. So last night I was at the, at the Nibbies and... Um, my children's book, A Better Day, won Book of the Year. Which oh, I'm, congratulations! You know, I, yes, it's, I mean, you've been to the Book Awards rather a few times and won, you know, amazing awards and, uh, and accolades. It was, um, oh, but it was the amazing. Nippies, nippies are the are the best. It does feel it is. is it, it was it's an still a golden feeling. pen, is it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I, I was, I felt a bit daft. But I was like, can I just check to ask? Is it called the Nibbies because of the pen? Or is there a reason? And I understand that I was right in my. Uh, uh, assumption but it's just it was amazing to be there last night I feel very proud about it I'm so glad that mental health was given that space in a way I, I wonder 15-20 years ago if a book that was directly talking about teaching children about mental health would have perhaps had the space that it did yeah um, and I mean willing, it's so willing. timely too because so many children and and certainly teenagers seem to be really troubled and I think with good reason, because they've had to cope with the whole pandemic. They've had so many different stresses. Um, when, when you, if you were a sort of kid that was being teased or bullied mm. at school, you could come home and just relax. Yes. But the awful thing is now you can't do that because most kids, by the time they're 10, whether they're supposed to or not, have got their own mobile phone. And if the other kids at your school um, have got it in for you, they will be sending horrible messages about you. Absolutely right. I can't imagine anything worse. The reason that I wanted to mention, apart from the fact that I really wanted to tell you that I'd won a book award, <laughs> no, <laughs> I was excited to tell you that. Why not? But although obviously my book is directly talking specifically to young people about mental health, I think one of the things that you've done so incredibly over you know, so many of the books you've written is actually bringing, bringing kind of real world challenges and things that people go through, especially in childhood and, and taking them into the fictional world, but, but having a real powerful message. If you think from, you know, all of the, all of the books really that you've written, it, they cover quite difficult topics, like from being in a foster home to, you know, experiencing bullying or experiencing actually mental health struggles how important has it been to you to kind of include that in your writing and was it a challenge to do that while creating something that's entertaining and lifts people i always felt as a child that i, I loved children's books i read practically a book a day but wow. i always felt because i was a child of the 1950s that somehow or other these children they might quarrel a bit but they didn't really seem to have, say, mum and dad splitting up or being horribly bullied at school or, or even just losing their best friend. Everything seemed blithe and happy. I mean, they could go out and round up a gang of robbers, yeah, 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 <laughs> just sure. like that. But their own little private problems were never addressed. And I, I actually wrote very pompously in a 
diary when I was a young teenager that I was desperate to write. But if I ever wrote children's books, I would try and make them realistic children. And I feel that it's wonderful that times have changed and that the children in storybooks now aren't just your classic middle-class family in a nice house with nice gardens and a brother and sisters who get on well mm. together. Um, I think there's a whole variety of, of different childhood experiences. And I don't quite know what it says about me, but I'm always drawn to the children who are slightly odd ones out, who don't fit in some way. And, you know, I didn't have a desperately tormented childhood myself, but it wasn't as easy going as, as some people's perhaps. And I just, I just wanted children who might be going through a bit of a tough time to feel they're not alone, somebody else understands. And that if everything in the garden is lovely for child readers, they might understand why some kids have a few behavior problems yeah. or sit in a corner and suck their thumb. I just, I just wanted it to be as truthful as mm. I could possibly make it. Well, there's a power in storytelling, of course, and, and I think the, the, the power of, as you say, telling stories from the perspective of someone that has either struggled or had challenges and, and overcome, I think that not only helps the people, as you say, that may go, well, actually, do you know, I'm, I'm kind of in some way similar, or maybe my life circumstances are similar to this, but also it helps people in general realise that you can have obstacles and overcome. And I think one of the things yes. that I've experienced in the work that I've done and my own personal life as well is that I think young people, because of the fact that their lives have been short so far, they don't necessarily have the perspective of like, this thing that's happening in my life right now is bad, but even if it's really bad, things do or may or could get better. That's and I exactly wonder exactly the, the message that I, I want to put across. But sometimes, slightly controversially, I have parents in my books who aren't necessarily great at parenting. Mm. And I wanted to address this issue because obviously you're you're born programmed to love your mum if dad's around to love your dad and that still works but sometimes mum and dad for whatever reason can't always give you the security and the, the sort of sympathy and understanding that you might need and I, I think that's slightly ruffled some parents because they want to feel they're the very best person in the world and it's it's just I suppose I'm thinking do I want my daughter did I want her when she was growing up to think I was the best person in the world um I did but I also if I made a mistake or lost my temper with her yeah. I always apologized and made it plain that I try to be as nice as possible but it's not actually really realistic to expect absolutely perfect exemplary behavior all the time well the realities of life is that people aren't per aren't perfect yeah. life is imperfect people are imperfect and in many ways as we're kind of saying i think having someone that you can relate to or see these issues and know that they have overcome i think that just provides it just provides so much kind of hope uh, for people. Also, there were children when it's October and that you're begging for something and, and a parent says, no, wait till Christmas. Christmas seems like to us 10 years away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's that fantastic feeling 
and and yet it's so difficult to know that maybe you won't even want it <laughs> in <laughs> Christmas time comes. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look at Tracy Beaker, for example. Look at the level that that went to, not just within the books, but, I mean, look, being commissioned and so on. I mean, did you expect in writing that that, that would, you know, be something that w- would or could happen? And I guess in some ways, looking back, are you surprised? Because in, in, in many ways, actually, if you look at it, it makes perfect sense. It is a person that has gone through a difficult time in their childhood. There are many common things that people might experience at school that they can relate to. Why wouldn't it become so successful? But I just wonder at the point of writing, do you, did you ever foresee that that perhaps might I, happen? I had little fantasies, but also little encouragement from family and from teachers at school because I didn't come from a sort of background where people wrote books and my school wasn't used to dealing with pupils that wanted to write books. There was one lovely teacher at primary school called Mr Townsend and he was absolutely lovely and made every child in his class feel that they were somehow special. I mean I just adored that man. He was not not just for me, for everybody in his class and all the different classes. I mean, he was just the ideal teacher. But um, at secondary school, I did shyly say that I wanted to be a writer. And, you know, I saw the eyebrows go up. And my English teacher said, well, perhaps, perhaps you might get a job as a secretary in publishing. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Imagine I, all these years later. <laughs> that, It's unrealistic to expect that everybody can achieve their ambitions and it always takes an awful lot of hard work. But it is upsetting to feel that lots of kids have these ideas and you can point out, say if you want to be a vet, it's not enough just to love animals. You've got to be very good at exams. You've got to work Work desperately hard. hard. Uh, But... If you're really lucky, you could get there, but it would take all this work to do it. And and then perhaps you could divert people off into other ways of of working with animals. But I wanted so much to be a writer, right from when I was about six. Well, you wrote, am I right saying you wrote your first book at like nine, wasn't it? Well, that was was for that lovely teacher, Mr. Townsend, who was doing a project thing which didn't happen so much in those long ago days and he said we could all have a new school notebook um, and do a special project and we could do football, ballet, birds, television, whatever we were interested in and I asked in this ridiculous way please could I write a novel and bless him he didn't roar with laughter he said yes of course Jacqueline what a good idea and I mean I didn't write a novel I wrote about 20 pages but, I mean, that would be, I can tell you nine-year-old Alex would have <laughs> I definitely think that's a novel for most people that age. But it was, it was somebody who was taking me seriously, and, and that was wonderful. And, um, you know, whenever I give talks to children now, I always you know, try and encourage people. Although, of course, nowadays there's different ways of getting published and different things you can do online, or vanity publishing and everything. It's... You know, it's it spread things out more and it's become more achievable. But still people think that you might become a Rowling or a Williams overnight, which mm. probably doesn't happen. Do you think that um, 
for young people it's important to have figures like Mr. Townsend or people that inspire because as you were speaking there was a teacher called Mr. Harris for me who saw that I perhaps was a child that didn't necessarily fit entirely in. I, I have ADHD and I was dyslexic, I struggled with writing at school, attention wasn't probably my strongest point but I think he saw a little bit of something in me and he really believed in me and said you can achieve Alex, you know, put your mind to it. How uh, important is it to have that, those kind I of think characters? That does help because unless you're an exceptional child to have faith in yourself right from a very young age, it just doesn't happen. You, you take it on board, what, what other people think about you and, and what you can achieve. But so I think a teacher is encouraging is so important. And it must be for teachers too, if they feel, I mean, teaching is a very difficult yeah, job. Yeah, of course it is, Particularly now, but if they feel that they've helped one child just a little bit or maybe they get a visit from an adult and they remember the child they were i think that must be wonderful to feel yes you have made a difference yeah. i'm i used to be friends with a very sweet guy who lived quite near me who was a teacher at the local primary school uh, he was a controversial teacher and he certainly didn't stick to all the rules but every single child in his class even they were a bit scared of him if he lost his temper he was always their favourite teacher. Yeah. And Sounds like Mr Harris. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to go for walks in Richmond Park and where there are lots of children around, certainly then, mostly they would recognise me and say, hi, it's Jacqueline Wilson. <laughs> but not, not if I was with this guy, Mr Hastings, it was, oh, it's Mr Hastings! <laughs> I know Which exactly I what you was mean. wonderful. And so. I think it's that it's that realization sometimes. I guess for all of us, we end up in this treadmill of life, and for teachers, the pressure on them. And I think sometimes we have to remember, like, wow, like, you know, if you've got a child at school, it might be something a teacher says that can really transform their life, that lights something yeah. up within that person to give some, give that child hope. And we do, I think, from our childhoods, good and bad remember these things for life. I can remember things that people have said to me in my childhood in both directions. Now it's vividly, yeah. I can drop myself back into that moment I, with a flick. Of... I think most people do remember their childhoods so vividly. Mm. Um, and yet, particularly at my sort of age, I'm in my 70s, you know, ask me exactly what I was doing in my 50s. It's quite hard to pinpoint exactly what. Ask me what I was doing when I was 10. Yep, I know. That's, no, that's such a good point, isn't it? Yeah, you have, you can just drop yourself back. Well, listen, we've had a great part one of the Stomcast. Thank you so much for, for joining me. We're going to continue now with uh, part two. I think we're going to delve a little bit into, you know, from school age onwards. How did you end up writing a hundred books or more? Let's go into right. that, shall we? Should we clamber yeah, over? Let's just clamber over. Thanks, everyone, for listening to part one. We'll see you very soon.